WTKH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week. I'm Dave Palmer. Sissel is running the board, and we are glad that you are listening as we talk about the good things that are happening here in the Catholic world here in North Texas uh, on our, our station. And I've been really excited about this interview, and I'm so happy that uh, Bobby Warren, who serves as volunteer vigil coordinator with 40 Days for Life in the Fort Worth Diocese came to the studio uh, to visit and talk about a lot of ch- lot of changes, good stuff going on with 40 Days for Life in Fort Worth, including a 40 Days for Life 365, which basically means they're doing it all the time. They had their kickoff rally uh, a, a couple of uh, Wednesdays ago on the 22nd of September, and it's going now uh, 365, I believe. So he's here to talk about that. And some other efforts that are going on to save lives and to help families and moms in the Fort Worth Diocese. So, Bobby Warren, uh, welcome. Thanks for coming in. Awesome. Great to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me. Yeah. First time at the new studio, but you had been our old studio. I that had been, had to been about studio. at least five, six years ago. Yeah, it's been some time, so it's great to get back here. I love the new studio. You guys are doing a wonderful job. It's yeah, awesome. yeah, it's pretty nice. Uh, so, all right, I'm trying to get my my handle on um, Four Days for Life. Of course, is a national and even international organization starting College Station. Tell us uh, about uh, you know how you got involved in this and kind of how Four Days for Life Fort Worth is connected to the sure. the big organization nationwide. Sure, sure, yeah. Like you said, Dave, you know, started in uh, Bryan College Station. Uh, Back in 2007, officially, uh, I believe it was 2004 that they really had the around the wood table prayer session and had made the decision that they really wanted to take on this effort to end abortion in their community. And so it's been going for some time now, I believe up to 64 countries now. There's some 1 million volunteers involved praying on the sidewalk across multiple parishes and dioceses throughout, uh, uh, throughout the world. So it's a, a pretty amazing what's happened. Uh, you know, it's been in Fort Worth almost 12 years now. Now, uh, and I've been involved for the better part of 11 in the Fort Worth area with 40 Days for Life. Um, found 40 Days for Life when we moved to Texas, actually 13 years ago, the year after that, I met uh, a couple of individuals who are actually part of that group that started in Bryan College Station and, yeah. uh, and uh, ended up bringing it up here to Fort Worth. So um, it was uh, impressive, the effort they were undertaking uh, to stay on the sidewalk 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and to pray for an end to abortion in front of the abortion clinic in Fort Worth, uh, which was Planned Parenthood at the time on, on Henderson Avenue then. It's since moved. And so, um, you know, I, I had been involved in some pro-life work out in California where we moved from originally. And so uh, in finding these individuals doing this effort, it intrigued me. The idea of praying on the sidewalk in front of a clinic 24 hours a day uh, came with a lot of questions, came with a lot of intrigue, came with a lot of e- excitement all, all at the same time. I think uh, it invokes a lot of questions and thoughts why are you out here at two in the morning? Why 24 hours a day? Yeah, you know, yeah. why seven days a week? Does it matter when it's closed? And so all of those things were things that I, I, I thought about and learned about from, uh, from those individuals who started 40 Days for Life mm-hmm. in Fort Worth. So it's been a journey. You know, I think if somebody volunteers for 40 Days for Life a couple times a year, signs up, I mean, that, that, that's, that's a real commitment. I mean, you know, to do something like that. I, I have been out there at Absolutely. two o'clock in the morning yeah, and I, I, I don't remember. do enough. I always <laughs> wish I could, but you know, what you're doing is so much more. Why, why is this issue uh, so important to you? I know you and your wife have six kids, and you're right. obviously pro-life. And you love yep. you love babies, but yep. well, why, 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 why are you um, inspired to, to do so much? You know, 
personally for me, um, I'm a convert to the Catholic faith. And I remember when I converted, I had um, questions that I asked the pastor of the church that I was leaving and differences with the Catholic faith. And, and I'll save you the details of that journey. But one of the things I asked him, well, you know, what are the differences? And I remember him telling me, well, there, there's some teachings about Mary that we're not totally on board with. Uh, we're not on board with their pro-life stance. And that struck me a little bit. I'd never considered um, that issue, to be quite honestly, uh, in depth at that time in my life, but I was a little bit surprised at that. Yeah, and uh, and then some years later in our business in California, I, I, I've shared this story before, but I remember a young lady walking in, and we were we had a small clothing store, and we knew our community really well, and uh, we were sitting there one morning and and uh, having coffee, and this customer walked in, and we got into a discussion about abortion, and I remember her talking about having several abortions, and she was defiant, and then she got angry, and she told me there were people on the sidewalk praying and I yelled at them, who's going to pay for my child and what are you going to do? And she was banging on the counter and she said, you know, I'm empowered and it's my right and it's my life and I make the decisions I want and these are the best decisions. And she was saying all this stuff and tears were streaming down her Mm -hmm. face and I couldn't reconcile what she was saying with what I was seeing. It was disturbing. Mm -hmm. And it really caused me to start thinking more about this issue and more about um, what pro-life really meant and so fast forward some years, you know, and truly uh, learning about pro-life and my conversion to the Catholic faith and, and what it really meant, um, it's just become astounding to me over the years that individuals can talk about this horrific uh, act of abortion when you think about what is done to this baby and to this child in a way that is so that is so uh, almost without care that that, yeah. that it's you know can be done this way so um, so it's just been something that I think myself my wife and my family have really really uh, uh, been uh, involved in and just felt a calling toward and, and especially obviously with uh, having uh, you know uh, six children and and uh, and um, just being involved in our parish community. It's just grown from there. Tell us about your relationship with the Fort Worth Diocese and also mother and unborn baby care. Sure, sure. Yeah, and so I'll I'll start with uh, I'll start with mother and unborn baby care. So, um, and there's been sort of a, a metamorphosis with Forty Days for Life in Fort Worth to where um, we're uh, the group that has been working on Forty Days for Life has taken on more things than just Forty Days for Life. Uh, we are affiliated with Sidewalk Advocates for Life, which trains counselors for the sidewalk, and we've done two training sessions so far and trained goodness some forty or fifty people for sidewalk counseling to this point. Um, so our ministry has grown beyond just the 40 Days for Life. So there are other things that we do as a group, but our group also runs the, the 40 Days for Life campaign. Uh, in doing so, we've uh, um, come under, uh, I would say, the auspices in working with Mother Number Baby Care over in Fort Worth. They're a 501c3 organization and a pregnancy center. Uh, Pat Pelletier runs that center and uh, been there for, for, for many years. I, I've learned so much from Pat and from, from Chuck. Uh, God rest Chuck's soul, wonderful man in the pro-life world. And, uh, and so uh, we operate uh, in concert with Mother No More Baby Care and with Sidewalk Advocates for Life to execute our, our pro-life ministry over in Fort Worth. Uh, and we've uh, done that uh, lockstep with the Diocese of Fort Worth as well. And today, Terry Schaaf, who runs Port, uh, the pro-life uh, office over in Fort Worth, um, stays in close contact with us. And, and the diocese has always been very supportive of our efforts and our ministry and continues to do that today. So it's really a great relationship we have across all of those organizations over in Fort Worth and allows us to operate. 
great. Um, 40 Days for Life um, is a, an ecumenical effort. So we, we work outside of the diocese. We work outside of our parishes and uh, work with other churches over in the Fort Worth area. I think there's some 20 other churches that have been affiliated with 40 Days for Life or more over the course of the last five or six years and even longer. Uh, and so and we have uh, several members of our leadership team, which are from uh, other uh, church communities over in Fort Worth, Fort Worth Presbyterian and the Anglican community as well. So, um, you know, it's when you have a commonality of effort, uh, pro-life commonality of effort, and it's as simple as peaceful prayer on the sidewalk, or if you're called to counsel, peaceful, prayerful, loving, and empathetic counseling, that crosses all that crosses all divides uh, yes. because it's simple and it's focused and uh, and it just makes sense. Yeah, this is the interview of the week. My guest is Bobby Warren, vigil coordinator with Forty Days for Life. Their website is very easy to remember: prolifefortworth.com. Prolifefortworth.com. And when I first got the email announcing that you all were going three sixty five. Instead of just, you know, 40 day, you know, a couple, maybe a couple times a year, uh, my first thought was, wow, how do they do that? I mean, that's a lot, a lot, a lot of people. And so tell us about that decision and how it's being carried out. We mentioned that you, you know, have had a pro life, the, the, the kickoff rally. So this is going now. We're, we're under, undergoing. So what, what was the inspiration to do that? Well, you know, Almost from the outset of 40 Days for Life, there's always been a group that has stayed on the sidewalk year-round and prayed. And, and uh, I remember Chuck uh, uh, Pelletier in his own loving way telling me, hey, don't forget the 41st day. There's day 41, Bobby, you know. And, yeah. uh, and, and so, you know, that's always stuck in my mind. And, and uh, I haven't discussed this at length with the 40 Days for Life national team, but I do know that um, uh, many of, of those leaders and those involved in establishing these campaigns pray all year-round on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. I think the wonderful thing that 40 Days for Life has done is they've uh, really drawn and driven interest in the pro-life movement by putting this in in this kind of self-sacrificial 40-day increment uh, uh, that got people involved and got people into the ministry. So many new people have come out for 40 Days for Life that have never stood on the sidewalk before. Once you stand out there and pray, it's really easy from that point forward to come out and do that. So it's really brought in a lot of new people to the, to the pro-life uh, cause and to praying on the sidewalk. But I think from the very start, uh, the idea that it that, you know, we only need to be there 40 days is understood to be not, not complete. You know, mm-hmm. this is, yeah. abortions are happening year round. And, and for 40 Days for Life National, what an undertaking to try and coordinate that through website coordination, materials, training, and all of those things. Um, but they've gotten to the point where they, they were ready to support that and they've, 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 uh, are now underway with that and we're underway with that, uh, after our kickoff rallies. And, um, uh, they support, uh, the visual coordination through their website. Our campaign is on their website. So all of the sign up, all of the calendar maintenance is, is done through 40 Days National. So I think it was just the next, the next logical step and, and uh, the next um, natural uh, outgrowth of, of what's become a very, very strong uh, movement in the pro-life world with 40 Days to go 365. Anybody else doing it this way across the country? Oh yeah, there's multiple areas. I think there's some 60 plus uh, cities that are doing the 365. Okay. I, I can't rattle them off off the top of my head, but I know there's quite a few that are doing it. And 
you know, I think the ultimate goal is to have a presence on the sidewalk at all hours that that the uh, abortion clinics are open in your community. So for us, it's Whole Women's uh, in Fort Worth uh, on Lackland Boulevard and then Planned Parenthood on John Ryan Boulevard in South Fort Worth. Those are the two lo- locations that, that we're attempting to cover. Um, and, and you know, we may, may have uh, bitten off a little more than we can chew at the outset to cover mm-hmm. all of those hours. Uh, but uh, we had uh, a lot of support and a lot of push uh, from people to cover both locations. So uh, we felt the best thing to do is to start and then to work toward getting all those hours covered. Um, and so far, we're off to a great start. Uh, we certainly have a lot of hours that still need to be covered. Um, and there, there, there's a lot of learning for those that have been with us a long time, how to now go through a portal on the web and sign up and manage your own hours. Mm-hmm. We were doing that for them beforehand. So um, if I could just ask those that are interested to really persevere and get out there and uh, look at the website and find out how to sign up and, and manage your hours on the website. It's very, very handy, uh, but we're certainly uh, changing a little bit the way that we've operated in the past. So, But like I said, the whole goal is to be out there on the sidewalk at all hours while they're uh, open. And this will not be 24 hours. You said that That's just right. basically the operating hours of these two whole women's and then Planned Parenthood. And when somebody signs up on the website, do you have to keep going in every single time? Or can you say, hey, I'll do every Tuesday from 3 to 4 p.m. and yeah. the location, and it'll just be kind of a repeat thing? Or That's a, or great, that's a great question. So they can, you can go into the website, and you can sign up. You need to sign up for... Uh, if you want to sign up, for example, every Thursday, you need to click on each Thursday you want to sign up for the length of time you want to sign up. Okay. So right now, it's I'm not going to say cumbersome, but you have to do go out there and, yeah. and, and grab those days. So if you want to do it in you know eight-week blocks, you can go out there and sign up and block off those eight weeks. But then if you need to back off a day or you can't be there, you can you can uh, cancel that that day. We'll see that cancellation come across, and we'll look to fill that with a sub or do something to make sure we have someone on the sidewalk. I also will clarify that at Planned Parenthood, we've decided to go from 6 a.m. to midnight, which is beyond the open hours. Um, interestingly enough, at Planned Parenthood, we've had a lot of interest in late-night hours for prayer. There are many individuals who cannot come during their work hours but still want to be involved, and we need them to be involved. It's very, um, as we know in the Catholic faith, it, faith, it's body and soul, so it's meritorious to to be out there physically, even though there's not a presence there on yeah. the sidewalk at those hours. And we have a lot of people that aren't able to come during business hours but do want to be physically present on the sidewalk. So uh, we have those hours in the evening time right up until midnight, seven days a week at Planned Parenthood, uh, where you can come out and pray. So a little bit a little bit uh, different at Planned Parenthood. Okay. And I know that you have the, the prayer, um, the, you know, warriors, I guess you can say, the mm-hmm. prayer people, and then you also have counselors. That's correct. Can somebody sign up to do one or both, or you just go and do what you want? Or how, how, do, how do you right. make that differentiation between the two roles? Well, so um, the counselors that are on the sidewalk, and, and, and just a shout out to those who've been out there long before we got involved with Sidewalk Advocates for Life, there have been a, a group of really dedicated counselors over in Fort Worth that have done a wonderful job, but we need to bolster um, that group of people. So um, what, what I would say to that is, you know, as you come out on the sidewalk to pray, it's really a prayer and discernment time to understand if you're called to counsel on the sidewalk, if you're called to interact and and attempt to begin a conversation with someone that is actively seeking abortion uh, through one of those two two places. Um, and, and after discerning and praying at that point in time uh, to reach out for training through, through our organization, through Sidewalk Advocates for Life is really, really important because um, it's, it's um, 
while it's intuitive having a conversation with someone, there's so many dynamics with praying and, and counseling on the sidewalk that need to be considered. The training is really, really valuable. And to be honest, we've had a lot of people come to training that don't feel called to become counselors, but want to know the dynamics on the sidewalk. What's mm-hmm. legal? What's not? How, you know, how are people being approached? What is the, the state of mind of, of, of the, the women or men that are coming to these locations? And how, how can we best attend to that? So very valuable training, but, but I would say discernment is the key. Pray, and if you're called, reach out for the training. It's not everyone who's called. It, it takes a, a certain, uh, just a certain type of person that wants to have mm-hmm. those conversations with people. Yeah, <clears throat> I have heard so many testimonies of uh, the impact of people praying, and uh, you know, women maybe not even showing up or going in and changing their mind. Uh, tell us, uh, you had to have likely heard a lot of stories like this. Sure. What what difference does it make uh, sure. when somebody is out there praying? Sure. Well, I mean, we know statistically, we, we've heard this from abortion workers who come across uh, uh, and have uh, left the abortion industry to actually join ranks with those praying on the sidewalk. But oh, we've Abby heard Johnson. That, <laughs> absolutely, right? And so we yeah. know that there is a, a marked decline in abortions when there are people actively praying out on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally have stood there and watched people roll down their window and say, thank you, we were looking for a sign when we pulled up. This is difficult. Um, you know, uh, one of our volunteers, Sophia, who I know has reached out to you, uh, often says, you know, that, that most, if not all the women she speaks to don't know that there's other options, other mm-hmm. choices. So, you know, for her and for us, it's getting the word out there that, hey, there are other things you can do, other options, other choices, you know. Um, I think that the that, that in the world today, the media tends to portray this, um, especially uh, those that are in favor of abortion, as an empowering thing, and it's my right, and all of these things. But that's not what we see on the sidewalk. We see yeah. trouble. We see pain. We see um you know, women and men in conflict and looking for solutions and answers, and this is all that they find. So it's our job to get the word out there. But yes, yeah, so we hear that from people. Uh, we see people that actively change their mind and leave, and we hear from those people. Um, just two weeks ago, uh, we had handed some literature to a young lady who ended up coming over to m- Mother and Unborn Baby Care and oh, wow. actually uh, seeking help instead of getting the abortion. So yes, uh, this certainly happens. And for everyone that we hear of, we know many people drive by and keep on driving and yeah. think twice at the same time. So that presence is critical on the sidewalk. I imagine, you know, Planned Parenthood, they, they can't like when the, during those 40 days when people are out there, 40 days for life, they probably can't wait for it to end. And now they're like, what? That's right. <laughs> you guys, All year are, you guys that's are, right. are never going to leave. That's right. <laughs> so, which, that, that, that's a good thing. And right. uh, so obviously the goal is total coverage. I mean, I'm sure you'd love to have, you know, 50 people out there every hour, but you gotta, you gotta take baby steps. And so right now people just sign up and if there isn't an hour that's covered, well, then it's an hour that's not covered. But obviously the the goal would be, are you optimistic that you can get all the hours covered, uh, you know, going forward? How long do you think that's going to take? We are. We're optimistic about it. I I will tell you that 40 Days for Life, and we've had it in front of Planned Parenthood, uh, we've been able to cover that uh, location 24 hours, seven days a week in the past. And generally we've done that with four to 600 people uh, that have uh, come out and volunteered and then a list of substitutes. So when we don't have hours covered or someone drops out, we have a substitute. The idea is to cover those hours when they're open. And if an hour is uncovered to bring a substitute in to cover that hour, we want to commit to the Lord to, to fill up this time for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, it will be thinned out. And I can tell you with, uh, with just all that's been going on in our, in our society over the last 
year and a half, two years. Uh, we've taken a hit as far as people that have gotten out and volunteered, but it's it's gaining steam and momentum now. So I don't know if I can put a time frame to when we think we'll have it all covered, but it will be incumbent upon the volunteers that come out, those that are new to the ministry, and then and then us volunteers that are uh, working with Pro-Life Fort Worth to go out and get the word out. And that's part of why we really appreciate you having us here because, um, you know, to be quite honest, it's, it's tough to maintain a large number of volunteers in this pro-life work. I think those that have done it for years know it's a difficult ministry yeah, yeah. and it's difficult to maintain a, you know, uh, a, you know, strong growing ranks. But if any time it were needed is now with all of the things that we've seen in the state of Texas going on recently, um, with everything happening around us uh, related to the abortion issue, um, if you were ever sitting on the fence and not sure about how you could participate, now's the time to just Make up your mind and come out and stand there and pray. It's, it's, it's the most, I often say it's the easiest ministry. It's not easy to put yourself out there in the public eye. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. But there's not a lot of training for praying on the sidewalk. If you can pray and you can stand, uh, um, then you can do it. Then this you ministry. qualify, right? You qualify. Yeah. Right. Bobby Warren's my guest. We're down to our last couple of minutes here. He's a vigil coordinator for 40 Days for Life in the, the in the Fort Worth area. Uh, their website, pro, prolifefortworth.com. And they are under the umbrella of mother and under born baby care. I've had uh, Pat Pelletier and I recently interviewed her son James and I know John and you know, I knew Chuck back when he was alive. God rest his soul. Uh, and Terry and Sean Carney and everybody involved in all of this. Uh, let's uh, the, the, the day that we're recording this, um, you're having the rally tonight. That's right. Okay, now, if you're listening to this, it already happened, but uh, what, what, what are you planning for the rally? What, what, uh, what, what, what happened? That's <laughs> or right. What will happen? So, uh, so uh, for the rally this evening, our kickoff rally, um, we're actually going to have uh, Father Boland from over in Fort Worth is going to come out and open us in prayer and give us a pro-life meditation this evening. So we're very much appreciative of that. And then we're going to go over kind of the new uh, the new. Uh, a thought around uh, prayer 365 days a week. Uh, we're going to give the group an update on what's happening in, in pro-life in Fort Worth. Uh, we're going to, we're going to quote some statistics tonight. Uh, you know, a few things uh, as we kind of wrap this up that, that I'll share, um, that we'll share tonight at the rally. Um, uh, you know, we don't have a clear line of sight into how many abortions at Planned Parenthood they're doing, but we do have a pretty clear line of sight at Whole Women's Health, our second location. It's upwards of some 500 a month mm, in wow. Fort Worth at that one location. So you can imagine with Planned Parenthood on top of that how serious this issue is. And uh, so uh, so we'll be talking about the state of the Fort Worth uh, pro-life movement uh, today. Um, and then we'll be going over how people can get involved. We'll have sign-ups. We'll have a table out there. We'll have some 40 Days for Life gear that we'll be, uh, that we'll be able to hand out there as well. Uh, so it'll be a very vibrant uh, evening. It always is. We usually get a very good crowd out there uh, at Planned Parenthood for this kickoff rally. And, uh, and so um, it'll, it'll be a very uh, a very uh, active time for people to come out and sign up. So I know that this uh, interview will happen after that, mm-hmm. um, but this won't be the last time we'll do something. <laughs> Can't on the have side a closing that. rally because it never ends. That, right? That's right. We we probably <laughs> yeah. will do something uh, kind of an intermediate rally in between yeah. as well. So we'll have activities uh, going on between then. And um, I'll mention one other thing: the um, a, a, about the the uh, location at uh, at. Whole Women's Health off of Lackland and Mother and Unborn Baby Care. It's probably been mentioned, but there's a piece of property right next to that location where we are looking to erect a pregnancy center. So if you can uh, join us on the sidewalk to pray in front of Whole Women's Health, you'll also be standing right next to a piece of land where we're looking to garner funds to 
build a pregnancy center. And that's the surest way you can, you can help to close down, uh, whole women's health and, uh, and, uh, move this forward in our, in our neighborhoods. So All right. Very good. Uh, Bobby Warren, thank you so much. Vigil coordinator for days for life of Fort Worth. The website prolifefortworth.com, prolifefortworth.com. You can find information about their efforts and also sign up, uh, for an hour or two hours or three hours or whatever you want to do, uh, as 40 Days for Life has now gone 365 in Fort Worth. Very exciting news. So thank you for the visit. Thanks for all you do and uh, and for the cause of life. I appreciate awesome. it very much. Yeah, thank you, Dave, for your support. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Cecil. And uh, thank you for listening. And uh, if uh, he mentioned Sophia, she's the one that had reached out to me. And so uh, I always appreciate uh, the leads, the suggestions for, you know, announcements and interviews. And so if you have anything going on that you would like us to promote in an interview like this, please uh, just reach out to me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. One more time, the website for 40 Days for Life Fort Worth is prolifefortworth.com. And you can find all the information right there. Uh, Thanks, Bobby. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Are you a teenager or the parent of a teenager who is discerning life after high school? Homeschool Connections invites you to participate in a free Life After High School online conference Thursday, October 7th and Friday, October 8th. The event will include talks by experts and representatives from top Catholic universities and trade schools, religious vocations talks, workshops, and a college and career fair for Catholic teens. For more information or to register, visit catholichomeschoolconference.com and click on Our Next Event. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We're glad that you are with us. We hope you enjoy this program. We do it every week. We try to bring you interviews that are both local and Catholic, so you can kind of get to know more people in uh, your local world. And sometimes we like to highlight uh, ourselves and and, uh, people on the staff uh, and even their family members. And so that's what we're doing this time. Uh, My name is Dave Palmer, Executive Director here at the Guadalupe Radio Network, along with Sizzle Anderson, our assistant, what, what, North Texas, North Texas assistant, assistant, and yes. also, of course, work in Tyler in Kansas and all the various places we have uh, wonderful stations uh, of the Guadalupe Radio Network. So, welcome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not normally on this show. This is exciting. Yeah, and uh, this is a neat uh, opportunity because your two siblings are here in studio with us, uh, Tova and Willem. Uh, and if you, dear listener, don't know, uh, Cecil is the is one of those middle children, right? Poor unfortunate uh, souls in the middle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> highly psychologically and emotionally damaged yes, from being a middle yes, child. Absolutely. I know all about it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyways, the older sister uh, Tova and younger brother Willem, and you guys, I, I really admire you because you really are a close family, and you really do love each other, and that's cool. Yes, yeah. We uh, we're in the stage of life where we're now roommates and siblings. We, you know, you live in a house together with your parents for growing up and now we live the three of us alone Mm -hmm. together and it's a very interesting transition and so yeah we have to like each other a little bit just so we don't like kill each other (laughs) while we're living together yeah all right well the 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 main topic and the reason why uh sissel's siblings are here is because uh they just recently got back from a nearly week-long pilgrimage to the shrine of our lady guadalupe in mexico city and i'm so jealous because i've never been there and i'd love to go sometime uh tova is here and uh, tova you actually won this at a grn event uh almost exactly two years ago right Uh, tell us the circumstances of winning the pilgrimage yeah so um 
always loved Catholic radio and obviously Cecil working here, but um, it was very exciting. I was um, at um, the Summer Speaker Series in 2019. Um, I was thinking to myself when I was there, oh, you know what? I haven't made a donation in a while, and I thought this is a great time to do it. Um, I had made a donation and, you know, wasn't really um, 100% thinking about, oh, this is part of a drawing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And um, lo and behold, um, my name was drawn, and I realized, oh, my gosh, it's a pilgrimage. (laughs) Wow, this is amazing. Um, And so um, found out it was to the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and personally, that was also really cool because I actually had been – um, saving up for a pilgrimage. I'd really wanted oh, to really? go on one. Oh, so wow. yeah, that was like, wow, that's really amazing. Um, um, initially, um, Cecil at um, a certain point was wanting to go on the Camino and I was thinking I was going to take maybe my dad or my brother. And I thought maybe, you know what, since I've saved up a little bit, I'll buy an additional ticket while Cecil's gone. We'll go um, to the shrine. And then COVID happened and a number of things, but um we're just so happy that we were finally able to go, and um, it ended up being the three of us. Yeah, so. that is cool. And, Willem, you're a college student, University of Dallas, and I know that's a pretty busy life, but summertime, you get a little bit of free time. So were you pretty excited to be included in this? Oh, yeah. I had a lot of fun on this trip. <laughs> yeah, so you you took off, uh, I guess, on a Saturday and came back on a Friday, so nearly a week. And uh, Cecil has related some of the interesting stories, yes. <laughs> uh, arriving at the hotel and nobody seeming to know, you know, yeah, who the, you were or, or what. what but. It's about 45 minutes where we were alone in Mexico, not knowing what was happening. <laughs> yeah, but I always say, you know, those kind of things, even the th- those kind of moments when things didn't happen perfectly are, are great memories because... Oh, yeah. If everything goes smoothly, well, how much fun is that? So, uh, what? I'm, I'm just curious uh, from either of y'all. Just jump in. Uh, just your, your 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 general takeaway from the the week in Mexico City, or maybe some of the highlights, or uh, uh, what, 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 what? How was it for you, um, Toby? You want to go first? Sure. <clears throat> Um, I think, you know, first and foremost, um, being able to be right there with um, the tilma of Juan Diego and seeing the late shrine, um, the whole shrine and um, the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, that was just unbelievable because um, my dad has read a ton about that and told us, and obviously this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Um, it was just, oh my gosh, I yeah, we went several times to see it and it was just so amazing to be like, wow, I'm actually in the presence of that. That was that was amazing, um, and then just seeing all the um, gorgeous um, churches that um, were all throughout and around Mexico City, um, just um, to see the faith of the people. Just I was amazed so many times. Like we'd be there, you know, maybe during the day, so it'd be like a daily mass, and there was mm-hmm. just a lot of people in the church, even with all the COVID restrictions and everything. It was just seeing the faith and then just the beautiful, beautiful architecture that has lasted hundreds of years and kind of just seeing how the faith has been there. It was incredible. And then hearing all the history on top of which, some of like Mexico's history and yeah, just 
very blown away, feel very mm-hmm. blessed. Well, and tell us about the actual shrine. I, I honestly, I don't even think I've seen a picture of it. So I, I want to uh, kind of imagine what it's like as you go. It's one of the most visited places, I think, in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Mexico has a lot of people. Mexico City itself, I think, has, what, nearly 20 million yeah. uh, people. So even if just they went, uh, it would be very busy. But well, what were, you know, actually going to the shrine? Tell, tell us your experience there. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, it's at this huge court area with tons of churches besides uh, the basilica, and you saw a lot of the historical sites with uh, Juan Diego. And uh, we also, our tour guide told us that uh, supposedly it's the most visited Catholic shrine in the world. Mm. And when the, the Pope was there, there were just so many people um, at that area. But the basilica itself was built in around the 70s, and the design was really cool because it has tons of openings so that you can be from almost anywhere, and you can see the image. You can be way outside, and you can see the image. You can be inside, and then they have a... <clears throat> a special uh, area where you can go into the side and walk underneath kind of the church and then you'll be on this conveyor belt and while you're on the conveyor belt you have a right uh, close up look to the image to make sure everyone gets a chance. How, how fast is the conveyor belt? It I mean, actually pretty fast I'm not going to lie. Like I, one of those those things at the airport? Yeah. Yes. That, that, like, about that fast? About or? that fast. Oh really? Actually. Okay the people mover is how it is? Yeah, yeah absolutely and I think that's because like Willem said it's one of those you know visited sites that they have and so they have to keep those people moving is their yeah. idea I think and so there's the three or four conveyor belts that you just get on and you're kind of like what are we doing oh there's an image <laughs> you're, you're like oh i gotta like pay attention so that's why we did it several times you go run around again and go back on um, yeah. you're like okay it's this like, time- like, it sounds like like riding the titan yeah, at six yeah. flags or something get let's, let's do it let's do it again yeah because like the first time you're like i just want to stare at it and yeah. then another time you're like i just want to pray and another right. time you're like okay let me grab a picture <laughs> right you know i i don't know if you had this experience i took a danube riverboat cruise uh, uh in 2019 and we go into uh, these uh, amazing amazing churches you know like the saint stephen's basilica in, in austria in vienna austria where mm. mozart was married there and and it was just um, um, but but it, it's so touristy that sometimes the solemnity is lost and mm. i don't know if you were able to get beyond that sometimes i had to remind myself Myself, I'm in a church because right. you're walking around with all these people taking pictures and uh, you know and you have to say okay I'm not just a tourist I'm a I'm a pilgrim were, were you able to really make this a, a deep spiritual experience either of you well one uh, special circumstance was because this is still uh, in COVID times and Mexico is quite far behind the United States on a lot of restrictions and so there was not a lot of other people besides uh, Mexicans but there were still a number of Mexican tourists going, going there so I think it would, we had an advantage going at this time there wasn't a lot of people from like internet international from all over the world it mm. was only just, just probably just a few of us at the shrine uh, at the time but uh, I, I still I think we got um uh, at least some spiritual stuff, and we ha- were able to stop quite a bit uh, to go visit the sites and pray and do all that sort of things. Yeah. Sissel told me that you were the only pilgrims <laughs> in this group, which is really uh, uh, remarkable to think that uh, sometimes this particular guide might have had what, up to 60 people. 60 yeah. people and he had you all. <laughs> it so, was us. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, I mean, that, that's really a probably not can ever happen again. I mean, that that's, uh, did, did you find that to be an advantage, Tova, or what to, to be, I mean, 
it almost kind of weird. It's like, we're the only ones, right? Yeah. So actually it was a funny circumstance. We first meet our guide and, um, it, you know, it was great to kind of get to know him. And then we're kind of like, hmm, I wonder when the other people are going to show up. Um, and then this is like, Never. Uh, the guide is like, you know, we have a bit of a small group this time. So we're going to have some more flexibility. And Cecil's like, wait, by small group, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, just you three. And oh, they were wow. like, oh, okay. And, you know, initially I was like, oh, well, I was thinking we're going to meet these other Americans and that'd be kind of fun. But after a while, I was like, wait a second, this is fantastic. We have our own guide. How expensive and, you know, otherwise yeah. complicated that would be to arrange to get a guide just for you. And it was like, it was amazing. How cool so, that he didn't cancel it. You I, know. Know. I know. Seriously. Yeah. Well, it was actually the first trip. Uh, to Mexico that that particular tour group had done since the pandemic so I think they really needed that trip to happen and so because that's that's another reason why we thought there was going to be more people is because on their website they say if there's not enough people we'll cancel yeah and we're like wait is three people enough people okay apparently so (laughs) yeah so we enjoyed that a lot what about other than the shrine what were the other great you know uh, sites or you know i mean it could be you know restaurants or other shrines <laughs> oh, or churches talk a long time or, for about restaurants. Uh, yeah so what were the other what the things that you you think you'll always remember well i will say that i think um there was a, there's a couple of other beautiful holy sites um, that we got to visit that maybe Tover Willem can touch on as well. But there's another church-approved Mary, smaller Marian apparition that happened about an hour, two hours from Mexico City or something like that. And then there's also the only um, St. Michael the Archangel apparition outside of Europe that happened in Mexico as well. Oh, really? So those are two very beautiful cities and churches that have a beautiful devotion to those. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was... Really, really cool. But we also got to see some of the historical sites like the um, the what is pyramids of the sun and the moon and just learning about how the culture went from, um, you know, a very not atheist, but very different religion to going to how Christianity was brought to them. Mm-hmm. How Catholicism was brought by religious brothers and stuff like that. So just learning about that was probably one of my highlights. Yeah. You know, the, the story of, of St. Juan Diego you know, traveling. I guess he had a sick uncle, and he's traveling, and the 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 Blessed Virgin meets him, and then one day he, he diverts his path so he can avoid her. And did 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 they actually show you where the actual apparitions happened, or was it right there at the shrine, or or do you, were you able to pinpoint his path, or you know that kind of pinpoint accuracy of where he was, or? Yeah, for the most part, you were. So it's interesting because when you hear the story, you just think things are a little bit further apart than they actually are. Now, of course, at the time, I think there was more of a giant hill in between, but they've kind of flattened that since now. Uh, It's a pretty large complex that the shrine is on, and Tova Wilm could correct me if I'm wrong about this, but it, it... it, we were able to see the the chapel where the well that Mary started is just, you know, I don't know, 300 yards from the basilica or something mm-hmm. like that. And so you can you do get to follow his journey that way. Yeah, yeah. What about just the, the Mexican people, the overall experience, the, you know, was it real congested? Do you feel like you're in, you know, a huge city or uh, yeah, the language barrier? Any other of those other kind of cultural um, takeaways? Willem, anything stand out? Well, we definitely had uh, a lot of fun with the language barrier <laughs> because <laughs> many times we try to order things. Like, for instance, we ordered, uh, try to order coffee, coffee, and um, somehow we said C, but it sounded like tea. And so we got tea instead <laughs> for mor- morning. No tea, C. We're stupid <laughs> Americans. <laughs> yep. So that was that was interesting. Also, something else that's uh, 
unique about Mexico City is that it was once an island. And so the structure and all of the uh, foundation is really, really bad. Everything is leaning, including all, all the churches. And this one uh, convent that also doubles as a church that anyone can go to is, uh, has this really bad um, uh, leaning to where when you enter, I almost fell over. And, <laughs> and, and leans towards the altar, which is really wow. funny because on the wooden seat that you are, if you fall asleep during Mass, there's a very good chance you'll fall out of your seat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. It was. Yeah, well, another reason not to fall asleep during Mass. <laughs> yep, right? yep. I'm pretty sure the nuns did it on purpose to get, you know. Keep so people anyone awake. Yeah. <laughs> the of the church. Yeah. yeah well, it just suddenly squats down and puts his water bottle on the ground. And we just watch it quickly roll away. And wow. We're like, oh, no. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> if you're just joining us, uh, this is the interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And uh, Cecil Anderson is our uh, North Texas Guadalupe Radio Network assistant. And her two siblings, Tova and Willem, are here. And they just recently came back from a uh, five, six-day pilgrimage to the Shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe in Mexico City that uh, Tova had won at a speaker series event back in 2019 and uh what, what a great opportunity and uh, tova you mentioned that uh one of y'all mentioned that your dad is a great devotee of uh, this and the history of it and i'm just wondering uh, how much of a learning experience it was because I, I feel like i kind of know the story pretty well but um uh, anything you learned about that period of history back in 1531 that maybe was kind of eye-opening to you that you didn't already know or anything stand out is just from a historical standpoint or you know Willem you can jump in as well um let me see um it it felt like all throughout the pilgrimage there were so many things that were um I don't know how to put it um there was so much information so let me think about that for a moment I I think that one of the things that I don't know about you all, you could chime in if this was something that you knew or didn't know, but I think it was interesting about how soon the devotion took off of Our Lady of Guadalupe and how um, how quickly it not only with the Catholic people in the area, but also the Aztec people quickly Mm -hmm. had a devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe and how quickly within the next like 80 years that grew right after the event. Yeah, and, and Mexican history is so interesting. You know, even a hundred years ago, they are under, they were under severe persecution. Mm-hmm. And you would think that, uh, in that country, everybody would just be Catholic and happy, but, uh, boy, they've had some, some rough times. And it's, it's, it's really fascinating. And we don't really have anything like that in the U.S. I mean, you think about some spiritual you know, apparition that the, the, really the whole country knows about in the, in, and, and I, I I don't know what we would have that that would compare to it here, and 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 I, I just wonder if you got a sense from the Mexican people of of what this means to them. If this is something that they that really does bind them, generally speaking, that Our Lady Guadalupe, or is it just for you know a small segment of faithful Catholics there that you really have a great devotion? Did you get any kind of sense about that or what this means to the nation? I I think um, like. Quite a bit. Um, one thing I will say from maybe a more um, devotion side, um, I know when we attended Mass at the Shrine on Sunday, one of the things I was so amazed because of COVID re- regulations, they could only let so many people in. So we were actually standing outside. We could hear and see pretty well, though. Um, I was just amazed how quiet and reverent everyone was who was mm-hmm. attending. And I think that was really beautiful. Um, maybe from more of a historical perspective, we were also told that um, – 
the image was also kind of a symbol for them for the Mexican Revolution as well. So they, they I think they take it both and that, you know, that very beautiful thing of like um, God's love towards them and Our Lady appearing and, you know, bringing them to Christ, but also maybe um, because there's so much in um, that image that kind of speaks to their own past, also kind of in a way more than in a way I couldn't even see as an American, it kind of um, is very Mexican to them, I think, mm-hmm. as well. They yeah. actually, another thing we learned, I think, about it is that the, uh, is it an eagle at the bottom of the image? Yeah, they <laughs> later on, angel. it was an angel, sorry, yes, uh, the, yes. the angel wings later on, um, they painted to look like the Mexican flag. <laughs> Oh really? <laughs> and then they, I think they took it off afterwards. Like they realized they, they, they like to they like, put the co- different, you know, red, yeah, white, the angel and green. Is, uh, they got like the the moon right yeah, to yeah, the yes, angel yes, holding yes. it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And so. the wings they painted to look like the Mexican flag. And then I later on they were like, that I wasn't know. quite appropriate. Let's yeah. take that off. <laughs> so I thought that was that. kind of funny. <laughs> All right, let me ask a, a, a somewhat superficial question, but it's uh, I think it uh, maybe people were wondering. But how was the food? Did you get some good, authentic Mexican food? there it wasn't like you know taco bueno or taco bell right <laughs> it <laughs> was, was it good it was excellent <laughs> we had so much amazing food there um the first one of the first dishes i had that i loved a lot was this enchilada that uh was wrapped with had banana inside of it and then on top of the sauce it was mole and that was really really good and mm. mole is sort of like a bittersweet uh chocolate uh, sauce that's also kind of savory on the put on many many dishes and it was it was excellent. Mm, mm-hmm. Wow! Uh, so devotion to Our Lady Guadalupe. Uh, I've always loved Our Lady Guadalupe, but now when you see her image, it's probably all very different now. Now that you've it been is. there, right? How, how does okay. that that change you in your relationship with Our Lady? Don't all speak at once now. (laughs) (laughs) Sibling communication is excellent sometimes. Well, I could say I'll go and then we can all go. I, um, for me, I think not only every time I see her, I'm going to be reminded about the trip and I'm going to be also pondering a lot on the prayers that we brought with us to Mexico. We asked all of our friends and family for prayer requests. So we had uh, several pages of prayers and I just remember asking for Our Lady's intercession on all those prayer requests throughout that trip. And so I feel like now every time I see an image of Our Lady, I'll just remember a whole bunch of people to pray for as well mm-hmm. and ask her for her to pray for. So, Yeah, very nice. Uh, anything else, Willem, Tova, anything come to mind as far as uh, your own you know, spiritual walk or devotion to Our Lady Guadalupe and any, any, uh, any comments on that? Um, so I am actually, um, trying to complete, um, a Marian consecration and I was doing that, um, through the pilgrimage. Um, and I think it was just, um, such an amazing reminder of like Mary's motherhood. Just, just thinking about, you know, um, I imagine a lot of people in Europe at that time were kind of like, oh, there are people over there, but that Mary just so much, that just reflection kept coming back to me, just like such love for the people just like these are people who they could be lost and she wanted to be there for Mm -hmm. them and then hearing about another church approved um uh miracle that an apparition of mary that happened later on when these people are you know coming and they're you know they're converting and it's wonderful but they're getting very sick from all this diseases with the spaniards coming etc um and that our lady appears again and offers healing water so that they can be healed like 
just seeing that kind of um, beautiful care of Mary um, to bring us closer to Jesus was like I, I, very touching. Yeah, so. very nice. Uh, well, we've got a few minutes remaining until we got to wrap this up. And so any other closing comments? Uh, we're talking uh, to... Uh, the Anderson gang, <laughs> uh, Cecil and Tova and Willem, uh, Cecil's uh, siblings, and they made a pilgrimage recently to the Shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe in Mexico City and came back. And I just thought, hey, it'd be nice to, you know, to talk to them and, and get their takeaways or anything like that. So any, um, maybe some people are on the fence and thinking, you know, maybe this is something we should do. We should take a pilgrimage down there. I'm guessing you would recommend that it's so, it's so close. It's mm. not as far as going to Fatima or Lords or some of these other places, the Holy land. Uh, and, uh, you, you would recommend it for people. I'm guessing. Yeah. And I think, uh, one of the things uh, we were thinking about was going to Mexico was all, all the corruption, all the crime and all the, uh, problems that unfortunately Mexico is dealing with, but I would have to say I felt surprisingly safe being in Mexico City and walking around. Like I've been in many uh, large cities in the United States, and some of them actually felt worse in yeah. the United States than being in Mexico City because the people. Thanks for listening to KATH nine ten AM Frisco Dallas Fort Worth in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network, Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.